Hi, I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome a master of intuition, Valerie Tate. Valerie is a fellow psychotherapist and an intuitive therapist, as am I. Valerie has honed her skills and understanding of the clairs, which are the various ways that we connect with our intuition and inner guidance system that we all inherently have, yet so few of us learn how to work with. It's truly a treasure trove of brilliant gifts that can lead us towards our divine life path. Valerie shares a lot of secrets and understandings with us around how do we connect with our intuition? What are the different types of intuition? What are some of the blocks that we can have from connecting with it? And what are some of the benefits to when we learn how to really work with and collaborate with our intuitive system? Valerie has an incredible course she's developed around developing your intuitive superpowers. She also offers a free quiz to figure out what is your primary player. And she's developed a workbook where you can start to monitor and explore your various abilities. We talk about all these things as well as what it is like to be in alignment, in flow, in connection with that inner state that you have. It's a bright and brilliant conversation and you're gonna get a lot out of it because it helps you understand your own system. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Valerie, and welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. This is so fun. It is. It is going to be a lot of fun to chat with you because I've learned a lot about you and I'm really excited about your work. The work that you do is pretty incredible and very attuned to sort of the the theme of Women Waken, which is tapping into your inner knowing, tapping into your gifts. And that seems to pretty much be your focus. It is. And now I'm actually curious how you found me because... Your your focus is very aligned with mine. I love that. Yeah. You must have well, used your intuition. I did. That's interesting. I found you last year. So I started my, I'm a therapist as well. And I started my private pra- practice a year ago. And when I decided to do that, I went on my LinkedIn account and I started looking for other therapists who sort of did the work that I wanted to do, which is a little bit spiritually based, that had started their own practice. And I just started friend requesting people that seemed interesting and were doing work that I liked and asking them to have a call with me and tell me, how did you start your private practice? And you were one of those people because I was so excited that you said (laughs) therapist. I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that's it. And then, so I reached out and you were kind enough to have a call with me and I got to learn about you and the work that you do. And I knew that, you know, there was a a kindredness there. So I was very excited to be connected with you. I remember that it was during quarantine. Yep. (laughs) When there's lots of Zooms and calls being done since we were pretty stuck. Yeah. So that's how I found you. And I found out about that you are an intuitive therapist and also a hypnotherapist. That intrigued me as well, because I've seen some of the wonderful benefits of, of hypnotherapy. Yes, I am a hypnotherapist. I do past life regression therapy, which has always been an interest of mine, having personal experiences. And I also studied EMDR about 20 years ago when I was training to become a therapist, and I've been doing that throughout my practice. And then about 
I'd say a couple, uh, 15 years ago or so, I was introduced to a school that taught about intuition and specifically clairvoyance, which is the ability to see. So we all have clairvoyance and dreams and imagery, but to really refine that skill. So I added to my training by learning about energy work and how to how to read chakras, how to clear things, how to meditate and, and move things out of your space so you're more available for information. And over the years, it, for a while, it was like a separate part of my practice. So I would do like clairvoyant readings and energy healings and things like that. And then I realized that ultimately what I wanted and how psychotherapy is focused is like you want to help the person find their answers within. And so I kind of started integrating it into my practice where it's really about helping people find their own inner guidance, tapping into their own intuition, the messages like hearing things, seeing things, feeling things. So it was almost like I became, I took the clairvoyance into teaching people how to be their own with all the senses. Is that something you work on with all of your clients or do you have people who approach you specifically for intuition work and others who approach you for, you know, more typical therapy inquiries, you know, dealing with depression, with anxiety, with trauma? Does, do the two tend to kind of meld together eventually or do you keep them sort of separate? That's a really good question. I think for at the beginning, when I learned about energy work, I was a little bit afraid to bring it in. Like, are people going to understand this? So they think it's too new age and things like that. So there would be people that were specifically like, I want energy healing. I know all about it. Like, bring me there. And that still happens that someone might come, you know, from that angle and that's they're or they're having a spiritual crisis or a breakthrough for sure. But at the same time, people that come with anxiety and depression and just sort of day to day, you know, what should I do in my career? I'm still working with them in a, in a subtext on inner guidance and intuition. It's always the undercurrent, right? Because ultimately, we can look for all that external stuff. Like we watch movies, we watch TV for information about how do other humans live? You know, we ask, ask experts, we listen to Brene Brown, we listen to leaders who say, you know, be vulnerable, do this. But ultimately, it comes to our own inner sense for like moment to moment, like what's coming up? What's the information? You gave me a personal example a few minutes ago when we were chatting, like that clear audience message, that, that voice that comes to you and learning how it's good to talk to ourselves. It's good to tap into that inner voice. It's like, do this now or here's the information. We forget to do that. People often are just so external like, do you have advice about this? Can you tell me what to do here? And I feel like my whole job as a therapist, I'm, I'm wondering if you can relate, is really just helping people go back in and saying, here's what I've heard you say. What is What are you saying now? What's coming up right in this moment for you about this message that you need to know how to talk to your boss, how to confront that family member? Like, what's the wisdom there? Exactly. And I've had a few therapists on the show and that topic often comes up, which is that the nature of therapy is that the therapist doesn't ever do anything really. They just allow to sort of, for the client to open up to their own inner knowing and inner wisdom and, and, and understanding of themselves. And therapists can see things that they might not be able to because it might be kind of hidden to that person, that individual, because they're kind of hidden with, with fear or with certain judgments about certain things or blocks to certain things. So they don't always have that connection. 
And, you know, I think when, when you sit as a therapist in that space and someone shares their story and, and you kind of get this different view, but all we can really do is kind of, as you said, kind of point out, well, what about, what do you think about this? And I, I kind of see this over here. Have you ever thought about that, considered that? And it sort of allows for them to come to their own because we can't provide an understanding for them ever, right? It's never about That's that. That's right. Well, it's- also to your point, I mean, sometimes just helping someone discern what is conditioning and what is authentic self. Because conditioning programming is so thick, right? It's like those meta messages in a family that say like, oh, we don't talk about things. We don't talk about hard things or, you know, like stories that build up over time that the clients often feel like that's them. They feel so merged with it and don't even realize it's a message from their family that they need to disentangle from and to tap into like what's really true for them. So I feel like that sorting process is so important and also a helpful reflection with a therapist or coach. And that's kind of, you know, sometimes people talk about coaching versus therapy and how therapy is so focused on the past, but that's one of the benefits of going to the past is saying, well, this past story is really running you, right? So being able to sort that for them or with them. Exactly. That's a term I use a lot with clients is asking, kind of pointing out, it seems that this is kind of running the show for you. And it's something I've learned in my own personal experience that certain events from my past or concepts that I've kind of held on to start running the show fears that I have run the show because that it's governing my behavior based yep. on a fear that I have. And until to your point, you address the past, it's going to keep driving you until you kind of are able to identify and say, wait a minute, is this even true? Is this even valid? Is this worth, having this belief about, because as soon as you change the belief, your behavior begins to change the way that you act. Cause if you, you know, let's say it's an insecurity about, well, I'm not good enough for this type of job or this sort of opportunity. And so you just right. constantly have this, this notion of yourself as someone who is, is not enough for success or whatever it might be, that's going to keep you blocked. It's going to keep you from what you're seeking until you release that, look at it and identify that belief and release it. So exactly. And and what modality you choose, you know, in in some way doesn't matter. There's so many wonderful modalities to release fears, but you brought up something so great, which is that one of the main questions I always get is like, what's the difference between fear and intuition? And that one, you know, that exactly what you're saying. It's like the, the way you can distinguish fears is usually that it's a repetitive or familiar story of like, oh, I'm afraid I won't have enough money. I'm afraid I won't have enough money. It's like, oh, okay, that's familiar. I can recognize that one as a fear. Whereas intuition is usually like guidance. It's like the snap of a finger. It's an image. It's it's like a little glimpse into guidance, like, you know, move your money here. Or it's it's different. It has a different quality. And we all know that. But that tendency to, to doubt it and get into the head, is that's the one of the main features that you can tell the difference. Yeah. Well, one thing I've noticed was specifically with Claire audience and something I'd love to review is the different Claire's with you, because I think Mm -hmm. people know all of them because I didn't know a few until I went through your list, which is so comprehensive and the quiz that you have, I'm going to put the quiz, Mm -hmm. wonderful quiz you have for people to get a, a, a sense of their strongest Claire. But anyways, more on that. When I have sort of a, a, audio so clear audience message there's something about it that's it doesn't it's not forceful 
if that makes sense. I feel that fears often feel like this sort of blaring in my ear that's like, you shouldn't do that or this won't happen or just, you know, well, you wow. need to, it's kind of loud, but there's something that's, it's just there. When it's a, a true clear audience message, it just kind of ap- appears in just a very gentle way, I guess is the best way to say it. It's, it's not pushing. It's not, it's just there. What a beautiful way to describe that. And it's interesting listening to you because I, I agree with you a hundred percent that that's in, you're describing actually synesthesia, which is a combining of senses. So when I listen to you now, what I hear is um, you're actually feeling clairsentience. So the feeling of the clairaudient message coming through. Mm. So there's almost like, as you described, it's like a vibration, like you're like, it's gentle. It's, it's just there, you know, it has sort of a feeling about it. And that's, that's that kind of attunement when you, cause you're very tapped in. It's like, that's that kind of attunement. The more you do that, the more you practice going, wow, it's kind of like this sensation or this color, or you, you're actually forming a, a guide that I call the inner navigation system. It's your inner navigation system. And you're like, no one else has one exactly like mine. This is how I feel my clear audience. Like, wow. And what a remarkable thing to be able to identify and start to work with. Because when people do start to connect with their intuitive guidance, it's pretty powerful in terms of how it, it can it can assist you in your life every day. Unbelievably. Unbelievably. Whether it's like you're going on a journey, like you mentioned, or if it's just even in day-to-day living, you know, like the guidance of what to eat next or how to how to expand yourself or feel relaxation or peacefulness, like whatever you're needing, it's all right here, those answers and that, that guidance. Sometimes I think about intuition or creativity as like doorways into the self, you know, where sometimes that doorway is the same, like, oh, I always relax when I do pottery or I feel the most alive. But then some, that that's mine, I love pottery. But then sometimes that doorway shifts and we have to find like new doorways into ourselves, right? So like someone will say like, I'm meditating and it's just not working anymore. Well, there's, there's a new doorway in that's, that's important to discover. And that's part of that pathway of that like intuitive guidance and trying to pay attention to that and listen. Definitely. And I've found that, because to your point earlier, I think that one of the things that we come up against being in, in sort of the the culture that we are and the society that we're in is that we've sort of been told to, to not listen internally, as you said before, to, to focus more on the messages outside of us, to get people outside of us or, or guidance outside of ourselves. And that can do a disservice because to your point, what I've come up against often is let's say I've decided on a, a workout routine and I'll say, well, I have to go run three miles every day. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes my body doesn't want, sometimes I don't feel called to that, but if I've decided I have to have this regimen, then I'm going to do it, whether or not it's most aligned with what I'm really seeking. In the past few years, I've really opened more to focusing on movement rather than quote unquote working out so that I keep myself yep. open to, because that's another way I've really connected with my intuition is I find that I just, I feel it almost like the way you crave a cold glass of water when it's really hot on certain days, my body will just crave a walk in the woods. I just want to go out and be with nature. Yep. I want to be close to it. Other days I want to move. I want to dance in my apartment for my workout. Other days I want to move my body like yoga. So 
I think that there's something to that, that there's something that your is, you know, your body is calling for because your, your body calls for things just as much as your mind and your, your being right. They each. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you live that way and that you've made that shift. And isn't it such a celebration? Like when you actually, there's that connection between receiving. I mean, that's sort of another obstacle that can come up, but like you receive a message, like I, I feel called to go to the woods but sometimes the mind gets in, no, we don't have time. That's too much. Why don't you just do that on the weekend? Right. But when you do it, when you actually just meet the calling, the I think our whole being celebrates because it's like you you plugged it in. You plugged in your body and your inner guidance. And then that actually makes that link to the next stepping stone in a way that you wouldn't have known. Like what happens for you on that walk in the woods? You find out, you get to find out. Yeah. And don't you find it interesting? And I find it, you know, a, a little dis, sad, disheartening is that, you know, this, this system, this intuitive system, this, what'd you call it? The inner, inner navigation, system. inner navigation system is truly the most natural thing in the world for a human, because think about it. It requires nothing. We're born with it. We, we can be standing there naked in the middle of a field and we still got it. <laughs> Versus like, and we can be in a classroom with our fancy, you know, computers and phones and we still got it. And, but we, we don't account for it. We're not really taught to use it. We're kind of, again, we, we're taught to, that you need to follow what people tell you to do. You need to follow what the primary path is of others around you. And we turn away from what's most inherent and most natural to us. That's right. Yeah. And in psychology work, as you know, and studied it, you know, we talk about it's important to develop an ego and that ego in development is like, we learn from our caregivers in society. This is what it means to be a human. And then we spend this time unlearning it and finding our true selves and I agree with you in the sense that we could do a lot more, do a lot better as a society to teach parallel paths of this is how people are living in society. There's these religions, there's these options for how to live and where to be and how to partner. You know, you can have all of this myriad of choices and what messages are you receiving? And the most poignant way that I learned this, Whitney, was my son, who's now 17, when he was three we were driving in the car and he started talking to me and telling me that he used to be an old man living in Japan. And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm having chills. I'm like freaking out. And he said, yeah, I, I was a, he'd started naming these friends. He said, I lived in a fishing village. There were all these friends and he named these very Japanese sounding friends. And he said, and then I died on the sidewalk and I got smaller and smaller and I went into your belly and I got bigger and bigger and came to San Francisco. <laughs> wow. And I'm like driving, freaking out. Like, what the heck is going on here? Um, but what my reason for bringing that up is when we validate and stay open to our kids with that portal that's typically open for kids from age zero to five, where they don't have those filters, the conditioning has not sealed the deal yet. I mean, he all kinds of things would come out you know, about that. And he's very into anime and Japanese food, by the way, but <laughs> well, um, now you know he why <laughs> he would see beings around people and describe things to me. And, and just like, what if we really raised our kids with that kind of openness? And also, I also very much trusted his inner guidance. So if we were going to go to a gathering or a party and 
he's a very, he's a pretty social guy. I mean, he's sort of introverted, but if he said, no, I don't want to go, we would not go. He was so tuned in to what he needs and what he wants. And raising our kids that way is so vital, I think, because then it is a parallel path. And then they feel more self-confidence naturally, which is like, I was validated and listened to. So when I feel something, I trust it, right? You don't have to go through that whole healing process of trusting your inner wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really is unfortunate that we don't cultivate that more and encourage that more because it really is fascinating how that window truly is open for young children. Mm -hmm. My friend had a similar experience with her daughter that her daughter said, she must've been about two or three. And she said, mom, I, I died in the fire. We, we had, there was a fire and I, I died and, you know, and then I came here and my friend would, you know, told me that. And I said, oh my gosh, she's, and she said, oh, she probably watched a movie or saw something on YouTube. And I said, I don't, I, I, I don't think so. I think she's remembering where, where she was before this. And my friend's yeah. not very, you know, connected with those ideas. So she wasn't hearing it, but I, I just wonder I wonder if the window, do you think the window naturally closes or that it closes because of how we address it or how we. That is a, that's a brilliant question. I think that would be so cool to research, but my, my gut feeling on that is that it closes because conditioning gets so hard and heavy around five, six, seven. It just, we just do. We put kids in school. There's a structure, there's get out the door, get your shoes on. And you know, the same thing with parenting. I mean, I've coached and done therapy with so many parents um, about how to not do parenting from a conditioned point of view. You know, if you don't want to, I had one client once that was so sick of doing the laundry, she was just screaming at everyone. And I told her your job to, after the session is to take the thing in laundry and take the basket and fling it all up in the air, let it land on the floor and walk out and say, I'm not doing laundry. Because we need to do it differently. We need to listen to that, the revolts, the no, I'm guided over here first. And, oh, wow, the shoes are having a hard time getting put on. Okay, so how can we creatively address movement, to your point, movement, instead of um, just putting everything into a box? That's what causes so much stress and anxiety. And we're just cultivating and repeating that. Exactly. And, and, you know, something I think about often is that when you really look about the way that human beings as a species have designed life and how we live it, we made it all up. We decided to right. do it this way. It's not like there was a rule book when we came here that said, hey, this is the way that humans live. We created it and we can recreate it. And I think about that so often, especially now, because I feel that we've gotten to this point where we, we feel so confined to how we're the only, that there's only so many ways to live life. And it's just not true. And I think why I was initially so drawn to intuition is because to me, intuition holds the secrets of a new way to live life, of different options, because in our, in our being, in our intuition, it knows you don't have to live this way. You don't have to do this. We don't have to live a nine to five. We don't have to live in these confines and structures of a society that really isn't working anymore for most people. We also don't have to live in mental divides of you're this person, I'm that person. I mean, we see it happening right now in our, our country and with religion. And it's it just literally doesn't have to be that way. I mean, I, I grew up in a family where it was really interesting. My Both my parents are Jewish, but my mother became a Christian when I was three. And so, and she became very Christian, like fundamentalist Christian. My parents are still together. 
So religion and spirituality held a lot of tension in my family. So it was almost like the world war within those conversations. And what I've come to understand um, is that when we get out of the mental concepts and really start talk about talking about that base level of like what's coming to you. I mean, my mom and I talk about intuition all the time and it's not, it doesn't go into those mental realms of divide anymore because it's really about life experience and how things come to each person and honoring what comes to each person as truth, like moment to moment for the bigger things. So it's, that for me is a microcosm of what's possible to your point about intuitive living. It's just, it's a way of being, every person's going to have their own particular system and those messages have to be trusted. Just imagine if everything was trusted, how powerful that would be. You didn't doubt another person's. You're just like, well, I got mine. It would diminish so much fear and we, we are, we're ruled so much by fear right now most people because the, and you know i know this is a point that you bring up in your awesome tiktok videos which i'll put the Thank link you. There. you have fabulous tiktok videos that just hit on little snippet, snippets of intuition i just love them is that intuition helps us to trust ourselves and i believe it's we have an epidemic of a lack of self-trust when humans yes. don't trust themselves, it's very hard to live in alignment because you're constantly questioning, can I trust that this can be true? Can I trust that I can do this? Can I trust that I can say, be who I really am? Usually the answer is no. I don't know that I can trust this. I need to ask someone else. I need someone else, something else to confirm this. We don't check in with our self-trust and that's a miserable way to live. It is. And I, I love what you said because trust, I think... You know, we're such a data society now. We love all the data we're getting on our health, our phones, everything. And I think about intuition and trust is exactly the same way. It's like when we trust our intuition and you put it out there, like you go, you follow, you listen, you actually get data back. Like that's part of that unfolding of clues and being able to track intuitive clues. As you say, like, oh, I had this dream about pennies. Oh, okay. And then my, uh, this person called me out of the blue and you start to track all of those clues, they become intuitive evidence and data that builds trust. And I think it's okay to want and need that, right? Like we say, oh, this sounds like a wild hair. Someday I'll be living in Switzerland. Okay, well, I'm just going to hold that and I'm going to see how those clues unfold. But that's that happens. We get evidence, we get information, we receive um, clues constantly. I just talked to my parents about coming on a train trip out to um, visit me and we had just left from visiting them and we're at a particular stop on our drive and met an Amtrak train uh, conductor like literally right after we talked to them about taking the train and I got to ask them all this information about them coming to visit you know but it's that's that kind of data I think that builds trust if we pay attention to it absolutely and I think that I mean something like that such a succinct succession of events. I feel that that happens more for people who have sort of cleared out any blocks to their intuition. You'll suddenly find that the path is pretty open and things will sort of come right to you as soon as you sort of open to them. So how would you say, how do, what are the obstacles to your intuition and what do kind of create blocks to be able to tap into intuition? That's a great question. I think basically it's anxiety, conditioning, self-doubt, and fear. Those are the main ones. And then 
specifically when we receive a message and don't listen to it, that's another obstacle because there's, you know, sort of about going into the mind versus staying with the actual information. So I talk about that as like intuitive chiropractic alignment <laughs> and borrowing the chiropractor because I think about alignment, right? So you receive the message, you listen to it, you take action. Those are the three steps. And if it gets blocked along the way, like I heard the message, but I resist it, which a lot of my therapy sessions are about that, you know, I heard it, but I'm resisting. Um, that's really the biggest thing. And then one common obstacle I find is that people will have a lot of alignment in one area of life and then in another, not, right? Like, so their career is unfolding perfectly. They listen to themselves. They talk to their boss. They advocate and everything's moving forward. Um, and then in like their personal life, dating the wrong people, receiving messages, but not listening. And it's like, that could be confusing too. Like, why is this part of my life so blocked? Well, it's probably because you're not applying the resources and the way of being and living, maybe that you were conditioned to do in this other area of life, right? So that that is also a major block. But I would say it's almost like stages of development too. You know, there is a whole development phase of just being able to recognize what is a message. What is an intuitive message? Like, how do those messages come forward? Because we're traditionally, we talk about intuition just as gut feeling. And gut feeling is just one of the intuitive channels. That's clairsentience, that chakra two inches below your belly button, where you feel your own emotions, the emotions of others, and feeling body sensations. Like when you walk into a room and get a body feeling, or I got shivers when you were telling me something before, that is gut feeling. And that's just one of them. That's your clairsentience. That's feeling. And that's a part that's associated with the sacral chakra. Yeah. So then maybe now's a good time to jump into what are the different clairs as they call them? The yeah. different intuitive so, guides. Claircognizance is the top of the head, the crown chakra. So they call this like the, the God chakra, the, you know, the um, connection. The portal. To your own information. Okay. Yeah, the portal the opening. Sometimes we want it more open than other times. Um, and there can be a lot of conditioning in there too. But claircognizance is interesting because people who are claircognizant don't even know they are because it's it's a knowingness. It's that snap of the fingers. This is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, I think of like CEOs, leaders, leaders in the family that are just like, that's what we're doing. And it's just clarity without data, mm -hmm. without a lot of info, you know? Whereas some of the other clairs, like Claire, clairvoyance that we're very familiar with, which is like the Ajna, the, uh, the forehead. And that's where we talk about, we think about like general psychics who are seeing things and seeing pictures. And most of us, all of us are, are clairvoyant. I mean, we're, we dream. And we, if I just say like, think of an apple, you can do it, right? That's clairvoyance. So it's the ability to see internally imagery but also externally so when you are very perceptive you might notice someone's facial expressions and be able to pick up information about how they're doing from their face that's that's clairvoyance we don't always recognize it as that or just even being able to you know assess the state of a room or we get a lot of information from what we literally see outside and then inside Claire audience, the one that you feel very dominant in, you said, 
is the throat chakra. So that's about receiving internal messages that could be come up like a voice. Sometimes it's through the written word. So some for some people writing, just things naturally come out of their hand. That's Claire audience. For me, I get a lot of messages and dreams clear audiently. So I'll wake up. So it's very funny. Sometimes I wake up with other languages. Oh. So hearing, I woke up recently hearing um, uh, Tabla Luna. And I was just dreaming about friends in Mexico. They were visiting Mexico. And I heard Tabla Luna. I'm like, what is that? Oh, it means moon table. And the person I was dreaming about is a woodworker. And so I started thinking about maybe we need to make a moon table. Like it was just very random, but receiving clairaudient messages through dreams, songs. So uh, have you ever woken up with a song on your head? Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if you've tried this, but it's really interesting to look up the lyrics and then see if the lyrics apply to anything that you're currently experiencing. Because we actually store song lyrics in our mind. And if they come up like that, I'm always so super excited to go look up the lyrics. Um, I learned that in expressive art therapy school. So I studied expressive arts and uh, that was a technique that they taught us with um, music therapy. Yeah. And I think anything like that is important not to overlook. I think that anything kind of comes to us, especially right upon waking, if there's any thought in your head, if there's an image in your head, a song to your point. One time I woke up with a word just like really strongly in my, and I thought that's so weird, but it wasn't that weird. It was very relevant to my, you know, my situation. Mm. So any Mm -hmm. of these things are are so worth exploring. Well, yes. And also because when we're sleeping, our cognitive functioning is, you know, we're, we're more tuned into our subconscious unconscious and our conscious mind is quieter. So it allows that to come forward more. And that almost mimics what you were talking about, which is someone who really practices intuition all the time in waking life, they're doing that more often. Um, but that's a good start to just start tracking what's coming up for me right when I awaken. Yeah. And I can share about, you know, what you, you mentioned that I'd shared earlier about my experience with Claire audience, which is, is the one that I, I have the most of I did your quiz and that was my strongest nice. Claire audience. I have been considering going on, on a trip, uh, across the country And when I first sort of let that idea come out, when I said, well, maybe I'll take this trip, maybe I will just go for it and move out of my place and take a risk and take that leap of faith. And I went to walk to the bathroom right after, and I heard very clearly by the end of the year, because I kind of had been thinking, oh, maybe I'll go like next year, like at the beginning. And I heard by the end of the year. Yeah. So that, and I've had many experiences of Claire audience where it just kind of comes just this gentle offering yeah. almost of where it were. And it is that blending. Cause I can almost see it. I can see it and hear it. Just mm-hmm. sort of, here's the little, little gift, which they all are. Intuition is always this gift, this, which it's, again, I mean, it's free and accessible and easy. You know, I think we spend so much time looking for those tangible gifts outside of ourselves. Where can I get, yeah. well, and I, and I think about, you know, looking for validation and, acknowledgement. And we seek that, seek that. Cause I think that almost feels, we mistake that for intuition sometimes or, or guidance. Okay. If somebody yep. tells me I did a good job, then I know. And it doesn't mean that it's not valid in any way. When someone says, recognizes something about you and says, wow, you're really gifted in this. I really appreciate this about you. However, when we become dependent on that as our guidance system, we're at the mercy of whether or not we get it. That's right. The beauty of intuition is it's within us. It's inherent to us. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly why I wanted to create a feedback loop system 
for and we'll I know we're going to talk about it later in the in the uh, the talk, but it's like I created a a grid based on my own intuition, the clues that were coming to me, which is all the senses and being able to track the clues as they come up based on the sense. And you could put something in the center that says like, okay, like you're going on this journey. It could be like my trip across America in the center. And then all the clues that come to you that you don't have to totally sort out right away. You can just say, oh, wow, I woke up in this state and this is a message that came to me. I don't know what it means yet. That's fine. And then I have a clue deepening worksheet that you can take your clues and like deepen to understand what each clue might be telling you. But really, it's about that collection. And that is that strength building that we are able to do. And you talked about almost having like an external locus of control versus an internal one when you when you get reliant on other people. Sometimes books can be that way for people. Like I read this book on this topic and that becomes that Bible. And that's wonderful in one way, as long as you internalize it and make it yours. Yes. And, and again, I think that's something that people overlook is that we all literally have our own brand of truth and knowing within us. And it doesn't mean that we deny other people their truth or that we want to claim, well, I know the truth and you don't. It's just that we each experience it a little differently within our own experience. Yeah. And you just raised another thought in my mind, which is that we're in a new era, I think, of, of healers and helpers in the world, um, which I think most healers and helpers right now are really guiding people to listen to themselves. Whereas, you know, maybe a decade before we had a lot of gurus popping up, like, you know, the person, yeah, just like to put on a pedestal about this or a pedestal about that. And I really see it shifting that more helpers are saying, come on, it's time to tune in and yeah. go up that way versus, you know, follow me to the top kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. that, when you teach people how to tune into themselves, you know, you're lighting up the whole switchboard of people's light and gifts. Mm -hmm. Whereas when people look to one person, you know, it's, it's kind of like they're trying to have that person's light, but they don't have that person's light. They have their light that needs mm -hmm. to shine. Exactly. It makes me think of, I had this interesting moment years ago that somehow was very powerful where I was, I was in this workout class, this really intense, like kickboxing class. And there was an instructor and, and I, I was looking at the instructor and, and, you know, kind of everyone was focusing on them. And then at one point I looked in the mirror and I saw everyone looking ahead at themselves. And there was something about it that was just, it was like, they were looking to their, at their own, you know, their own work and their own energy. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. wow, how powerful when people don't look to someone else, but just look at what they're producing and what they're doing, you know, it just, it, it was something really, they were seeing their That's beautiful. Yeah. Because so often you look in those situations, again, everyone seems to be like, okay, I'm going to watch that person and get, you know, focused on them. But when everyone's focused on themselves, we all step into our own power, our own abilities. Yes. Yeah. And when That's those right. forth, the world changes because we don't make ourselves small anymore. We say, I know that I have exactly what I need. And that's a lot. And then erases competition. I think you're really saying that too. When uh, that's what I hear in your messaging, and here you are, you're interviewing other healers and therapists, and lifting them up, and them lifting you up, and that's that is that demonstration, that role modeling of that example. You know, when people are in um, competition with one another about, you know, whether it's because of Instagram or Facebook or just talking, it lowers their vibration. 
you know, it lowers the energy and it lowers creativity and innovation. But when we all celebrate each other and say, wow, that's so amazing. I'd love to, to learn from the gifts that you've uncovered. Then we join and then we find our own creative pathway from that. So that's, that's a huge part of healing as well. I think comparing ourselves to others is one of the, the biggest downfalls and everyone does it, men, women, of all ages. and It's deadly. It's to our detriment in so many ways, that competitive comparison nature. And I've actually was speaking about this with someone recently because I, I'm, you know, in recovery, I've struggled with addiction mm-hmm. to substance and, but also eating disorders and love and sex, all those things. And, you know, comparison is an addiction because it offers mm. you something. You feel, okay, if I can be faster, if I can be stronger, if I can be quote unquote better than this person, then I get my fill. Then I feel enough. Then I feel elated. Yet it's ephemeral. It fades as yeah. soon as the next opportunity comes up for another comparison, which if you want to, you can literally compare a thousand times a day. Yep. Who did I do better than this? Who got more attention for this? Who got a better result? Whatever it is, you can find ways to compare and you can learn how to be dependent on that comparison to have your value. And earlier, when people stop competing, it's because they realize their inherent value and gifts and strengths, and they just want to work with those. And they don't, it doesn't matter what's going on with the person next to them is doing. They're just focused again in the mirror of what, what am I doing? What is my strength? Exactly. And we, I think we were given our exact bodies, exact personalities, exact families that we needed to come up and through in order to be that particular voice on that topic. I mean, you can have 20 books written on intuition from different people, right? You could have a minister, you could have a preschool teacher, you could have a therapist, a coach. Everyone's going to deliver it with their own personality and message. And even, I think, back to the Claire audience, voices carry an incredible vibration and people are drawn to certain vibrations of sound. So, you know, I think part of our draw to one another has to do with our voices. You know, that is one of the the markers of who we are. And so there's going to be different people delivering messages on every topic and it can't be competed. It's just unique. Yeah. Yeah. So I promised to tell you more about the Claire. So we're at Claire audience. <laughs> I was just going to bring us back to that. <laughs> okay. So let's, we did, we did the, the, the talk. There's five total. Is that correct? Okay. Um, yes. Well, there's actually six, but so the, so then we went to Claire Boyance and then we went to Claire, um, audience there's, um, Claire aliens, which is the sense of smell. Oh, and I did not, the one I did not include in my course was Claire Gustians, which is, um, the sense of taste. The reason I didn't is it's so close to smell that I thought it was just easier to just do smelling for now. Um, but the ability to smell intuitively is shocking to people. And when I had it on my quiz, people are like, what is all the things with the smell? (laughs) Um, But we, it's actually an intuitive sense. So if you start to pay attention to your sense of uh, intuitive smell, sometimes these are some of the examples I've experienced. I will have like a wave, a smell of someone's perfume. Like I've had that with my grandmother and I have a sense that she's near me or someone in my life, I've also had like a sense of smell of just someone come to me and it's like, oh, that's that person. So it's giving you intuitive information. It might be that, I don't know if you've experienced this, but like I have met people and that there's a smell actually for anxiety and depression. 
that comes forth from someone. And it's just one of the intuitive skills that it can be cultivated the more you pay attention to it, but it can give you information about how somebody is doing. Wow. I've never thought about that. I have a really trippy story, but I'm not sure that it's appropriate for the podcast. Well, no, it was, um, you can yeah, share. I mean, just go for it. I can share. Oh okay. yeah. Anything. Well, I was in, I was in Israel and I was walking out of a hotel and the friend that I was with, um, we were right near the concierge and there was a woman that walked in. She was all dressed up really fancy. And she walked by and I said, Oh my God, she smells like death. And my friend was like, what the heck are you talking about? Val? That's really weird. You're really weird. I'm like, I know I'm weird. Yeah, and I get that too. The concierge was right there. And he turned and he said, over there, we have to stop. There's a shopping mall. And it was all clear glass. And he said, someone just jumped from the top floor and died. And the person was laying on the floor of this shopping mall. And we could see him dead. And so that's an, a really trippy example of Claire um, aliens which is that I smelled the death, but it was from, you know, a hundred feet away. And I attributed it to this woman, but sometimes we don't know, we're getting a clue and we don't know what it means. And that would be an example of that. Wow. That's fascinating. Well, that's something I'll keep more mindful of now. I've never really thought to consider, I mean, smell is so powerful, right? The olfactory sense is because it's more rare. You don't always, you're not smelling something all the time. I mean, I'm sure you are, but usually it it takes something out of the norm to really notice your sense of smell, right? Yeah, exactly. It could be external like that. But when you watch a psychic, I don't know if you've ever watched John uh, Edwards or, you know, any of the famous psychics kind of do their work and they'll be talking saying, okay, I'm seeing a farmland um, it smells like apple pie. Like they actually are using all of their senses in picking up information. And so they're just used to using all the senses. So when we start opening to it, you will, you know, probably on your journey, you'll start noticing it more and more. And it could be like, there's even a smell that's not attributed to something that's like, I feel, I feel drawn towards this person or this area based on a, a smell I'm getting and just to trust it and see what happens from that. So that's an interesting one. Also, as we know, smell can take us back in time. So it's like, if you just bring in, I have a meditation in my course about amplifying and opening the five senses. And just by like paying attention to your sense of smell and like imagining the smell of apple pie, you can go right there. You're actually opening it and you can travel back in time to memories that way. So it's a nice entryway too for therapy work. Like you wanted to bring someone into their subconscious or some past historical stuff to go through that sense in particular, because it's so powerful. Um, what did your what did your grandmother's house smell like? Go there. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, Claire Aliens, and then um, then we talked about Claire Sentience, the ability to feel or sense others through our emotional bodies and our kinesthetic, our felt sense. And now that, is that the one that would be akin to your gut feeling when people say you have a a gut feeling? Yeah, exactly. So, and you mentioned, you know, about people or about, you know, a relationship. I think that's interesting because I think that it's easy to get that sense confused again because of conditioning, but also 
you know, like, for example, when you're dating someone and, and you meet someone and you're like, something just doesn't feel right. But, you know, I've definitely been in the position where I say, well, maybe it's just my own, it's old insecurities. Maybe it's old, you know, wounds that I'm, you know, just still really sensitive to. And so sometimes I, I've ignored that sense mm-hmm. because I've said, no, it's just, I need to, I, I'm too picky or I'm being too cautious about this. I need to just, and every time I've gotten in trouble for not listening to that feeling that said something's off here. Something doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where a tool that you probably saw my TikTok. I like to have like, instead of like a pros and cons list to list out what the mind is saying and also list out what like almost side by side of what the intuition is saying, because it'll come in handy later. Like as you get to know that person, it's like, oh, wow, I, I had this feeling, you know, right away. And of course I didn't, my mind didn't like it maybe it's my conditioning. Okay. But they're both at least acknowledged. And so you're not closing your eyes to it. You're just like gathering clues and information about what's happening. I mean, for example, so the gut feeling that clairsentience is also where we are, we call ourselves empaths. So people that are empaths that are able to feel other people so much and get so affected. Well, sometimes like, let's say your partner comes home and they're in a crappy mood. And you just feel it. I hear this all the time from clients. It's like, oh, I just have to get away from my partner's mood. And I was so mad that they brought that home, right? But it's because we don't know how to work with it necessarily. And I have a, a whole technique about how to work with um, empathetic merging. But my point about that is, you know, it's not always just good or bad. It might be just information, right? So I might say, so how do I work with that? Instead of being irritated or mad or being completely merged and now I'm in a bad mood. I can take that as, okay, my clairsentience just told me my partner's feeling yuck or off. Now I utilize that information. I either tell myself that and I take care of myself differently, or I talk to them and I say, hey, are you feeling kind of bummed out or is there something going on? Because I just got this feeling. Then they're able to share. And then there's something energetically that happens that separates it. You're no longer holding that for them. And that creates a separation Um, And then there's a process of unplugging. You can actually unplug from what you picked up. This comes in handy in particular in therapy sessions. I do it after every therapy session. Look at, it's like counter-transference or matching pictures. But if if something comes up that I feel empathetically merged with or really touched me in some way, positive or negative, I don't want to carry that person forward after that hour. It's not useful to them or me. So I do that process of what is it that I was feeling might got tapped in with my empathetic sense that I felt in my body or felt emotionally and then separating from that and and unplugging from that because it doesn't really help the other person to carry it around. It helps them more to let them know. It's almost like mirroring. It's like, hey, I see you. I feel you. Actually, I just felt you walk in. How are you doing? Ah. (laughs) Are you having a hard time? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that feeling that a lot when I when I first started doing individual therapy in you know a closed room with just me and one other person, I would feel just strong waves of energy, and I thought it was maybe like something like I was tired or you know I, something I just ate or something that just made me feel. But I didn't realize that I was so strongly feeling that other person's energy and state, and it really impacts you. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have this. I sometimes get, if I get really tired in a session that isn't to do with my own tiredness, it's often I find that someone is disconnected from themselves. 
Mm. So I will ask the person, you know, just I'll name it and say, I'm noticing I'm feeling really tired right now. Um, when you're talking about this, your work, are you feeling disconnected from yourself right now? Oh, that, and I only name it specifically because it's been over 20 years. It's been so common mm-hmm. that that's been the data and, um, and it's helpful. And then usually the client will say, oh, like almost like a little jostle, like, thank you. Like, yes, I was disconnected from what I was saying or something related. Yeah. So that brings us to, so that's the fourth one. Let's see, we had one, two, three, four, five. Five. Okay. And, and would you, is clairsentience, would you say, is it like the solar plex area or where is that? Yeah. Okay. Or though it's a little lower. It's a little lower, actually. That's third chakra. It's um, uh, second chakra is. Oh, oh it's the sacral. That's right. The sacral. Okay. The sacral, yeah. Which makes sense. And then what's the final one? Oh, that was five. So we had um, claircognizance, clairaudience, clairaliance, um, clair audience and clairsentience we got them all all right yeah there's not a sixth sense there's just five (laughs) well clairgustience which is taste the taste okay now with with taste i know you said that you kind of just focus on the um the smell but with taste is it do people actually taste something when they're like thinking Mm -hmm. of someone they can get a flavor Mm -hmm. or a sensation in their yes a sweet feeling a taste a sour taste Wow. Well, thank you so much for that rundown. I think that so yes. people know the extent of these clairs and what they mean and how they work. Now I would love to hear, Valerie, when did you come into all of this? How did you become the, this decorated <laughs> master of the, of the sentience? Or the- I love that. <laughs> um, well, so I also, as a child, was uh, I had a lot of dreams that I didn't understand. I felt like a old person in a little person's body. And I, I had lots of scary dreams about people in my family who were getting sick or dying. And I'd get these messages and then they would get sick and they would die. And I kind of didn't talk about it because it was so scary. And I really shut it down. I didn't feel safe talking to my parents about it, you know, and it was, um, and also was just extremely sensitive to other people, but didn't have anywhere to explore that. So when I was 19 years old, I had a routine tonsillectomy. So I had a lot of strep throat and eventually it got so bad I had to do it. And what happened is it didn't heal well. And I went back to the hospital many times and I had to be put under for surgery. And I, during the surgery, I actually left my body. I guess they had a hard time intubating me because my throat was bleeding. And I think I died and I was saw myself from above for a brief time, saw them dropping tools on the floor, freaking out. Mm. And I had this like incredible sense that it all was good and everything would be fine. And just like what people talk about in near death experiences, like there's no fear. Love, no fear, no judgment. I no traveled pain. down the hall and like saw my parents, you know, talking to the doctor and came back to my body and I just felt this like incredible peacefulness that I, that I don't really have words for. I remember my parents still being super scared and worried that it wasn't going to heal. And I just looked at them with like love. And I was like, it's all good. You guys like, don't worry about it. But I didn't really know what happened to me. And I remember telling my doctor and he was like, eh, 
yeah, that didn't happen. But I think something shifted then where I kind of like the, the, the coin flipped again and I was really tapped in. So I started dating and dating more people and I could like hear words behind their words. Like I kind of knew more what they were thinking. Messages were just starting to be more clear, but I still didn't like cognitively understand what I was understanding, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like only through lived experience and then becoming a therapist and sitting in a room with people for 20 years, like gives you so much data and information about I'm picking up this, you know, and even as a therapist, you develop that, like, here's the right way to be a therapist. This is what I'm supposed to say, but then, then you learn how to be yourself in the room and really trust what you're sensing and picking up. Then laying or layering on the energy work, clairvoyant training that even validated things even more and helped me understand so much more about what my capacities were. Um, where I trained was more focused on clairvoyance. They they really wanted to train that skill. And I just happened to see it differently. Um, but I think we need the synesthesia, the blending of all the senses in order to really feel like um, tapped in and guided in multiple ways. Because I don't think it, we can sit down and meditate and get images and do lots of wonderful clearing. It's just not the only channel. So that's been my general journey with intuition. And then, you know, lots of therapists are doing online courses and offerings and things like that. And I had a lot of colleagues tell me, Val, you should do something on relationships. You should do something on, you know, these other skills that you have. And I really kept coming back to my, my whole purpose here is to help people with inner guidance and intuition. And that's what I worked on in quarantine. I was like, I'm just going to dive in and make this topic more user-friendly. That's why I'm like focusing instead of Claire so much, I'm like, it's seeing, hearing, feeling, knowing, and taste and smelling just, just that. And then paying attention to like how that moves externally in our environment. Like you, how you feel drawn to a person, you talk to them, you receive a message, you exchange a message and it's really powerful. And that's a clue in and of itself or being drawn to like a certain company to check out, you know, like things externally. And then also that inner guidance, which is kind of one and the same, but that's, that's really the journey. It's like just feeling this calling that I'm here to help people awaken to that and live from that place. Cause it's, it's like living with my own treasure chest mm-hmm. without offering it. It's like living with my own treasure chest of like, this is a magical way to live. And I want other people to be able to have that too. Yeah. So, well, they, so they can open their own treasure chest. Exactly. We've all got it. I think that's the exa- a really great analogy actually is that we, we all have this treasure chest that is like closed and locked for most people. They're not mm. allowing it to be open. They're not allowing the treasures to come out, which again, mm-hmm. are like they're free and they're there and there's nothing you have to do. You just have to mm-hmm. connect and be with them. You have to allow for them. Mm-hmm. And they're so willing to guide you and to assist you on your path once you open to it. So what amazing work that you do and so vital and important in this time, because again, you know, as I said earlier, I think that that's the key to moving forward in our, I think as in our evolution as a species, but also getting us out of quite a big mess that we've created as in our society, because we're not, we're not connected with our intuition and, and our own self-trust and our own self-guidance. We're, we're just not, we're so focused on the external and that really is leading us to a dire place, which we're, we're experiencing right now. 
Yeah. And I believe personally that that's, I believe in a world one day where there's maybe not a need for therapists because people yes. are, they're not stuck with these things that they, they think they can't work through or understand. I think that's the biggest thing you see. Cause I know I was there when I first sought out therapy, as I said, I don't know what to do and I have to, I need help. I can't get yeah. past this crippling insecurity. I can't get past this substance abuse. I can't. I don't know what to yeah. do. And there's, of course, out, we're meant to work with one another. Yet, I think that the the more we evolve into being able to identify these things earlier, or maybe even sidestep them altogether, because I don't think that dependency on substance and, and getting into addiction happens as often when you're more attuned with yourself. When you yeah. don't take certain things as a defect or deficit about yourself. Right. And it's, 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 it's a tangible physical example of an externalization of power, right? Cause you're giving power to the substance and saying you will help and heal me rather than we can, I can help and heal me. Yeah. And you know, I, I will say that something that's been brought up a lot on the show is something to be mindful of is what we do have working against us is when you've created a system where people decide I need something outside of myself to cure within there's a lot of profit and money in that for businesses and corporations and, and different offerings that have been established in our world, which are, can be a great thing yet. You know, when, when we kind of are focused on pumping money into those businesses, there's a reason to keep those problems around. Whereas mm-hmm. when people, the more self-sufficient people are, they don't need a lot of things. They don't need a lot of stuff. Yeah. They need a lot of, and so then there's a less of a, cons- there's less consumerism in that world. And that's going mm-hmm. against us because right now we, we, we only know how to live by consumerism. We don't know how we would function as a society without it yet. To me, it's inevitable that we're going to learn to be more self-sufficient, to trust ourselves more and to less and less and less need things outside of ourselves. Totally. And we're all craving that. It's been so clear, the longing, the longing that people showing up and wanting to garden and have animals and, you know, when our true that call, <laughs> that call back to nature, back to the natural, back to the grounded rooted things that we right. and our families. Yeah, our yeah. families. There's, there's this concept in Jewish mysticism that I love called tikkun olam. Mm-hmm. And it really, it talks about how, you know, it's kind of like all beginning of the world theories. Like we were a ball of light. All of our souls were just one light God. And then it shattered and went into fractals. And so we're all these individual fractals of light. Mm-hmm. And that when we recognize our true gifts and start offering, offering them in our lives, then if everyone is doing that, we become one again, we become whole mm-hmm. in this ball of light and beauty and of God. So I just, I love that imagery of thinking when you're talking, I keep seeing that a lot. Like that's my clairvoyance, seeing that image. Mm-hmm of just the wholeness that comes when people are living according to their inner truth. And there's no perfection about it. Like we're all evolving to a more pure um, ability to listen. We all have stuff that gets in the way from time to time. So it's exciting to be one of the people and that you're one of those people helping people and helping on that journey to clear out the confusion. Yep. Yep. Because that's how it begins. That's how we get started towards that coming back together as, as the one. And I, I, I mean, you know, we talk about all these Claire's Claire sentience. I just, or no, the one about knowing Claire cognizance is when, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that I've developed this knowing that that it's inevitable, that that's where we're going. It's just where we're going. There's no, we don't yeah. really have to fight. We don't really have to force it. 
I think it's just a matter of, you know, how we sort of more glide into it rather than feel tumultuous voyage towards that place where it feels like a laborious thing where really it's again the most natural thing in the world to just get into the flow because i think you know people talk about getting in the flow it's when you're all your clairs are open and you're just going with the things that you hear and feel and sense exactly um which that's a, a good topic too of um in the in my course i talk about the vacation interstate because i feel like it's like well we can talk about interstates but you know how when you're going on a vacation your mindset is very much like I'm going to be open. I'm going to meet new people, try new foods, have an adventure, relax. Like we are literally self-talking our way into having a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. And that's how we form this idea of vacation. And then we go on the vacation. And of course, not all vacations are perfect. We have experiences that are hard. But in general, we all look forward to vacations. We act better. We're nicer to our family members and partners. And it's it's that um, changing of your inner state or state of being that is doing that. So this idea of bringing the vacation interstate home with you, like wherever you are, I treat every day like that. You know, like how is how am I going to have the sense of adventure and not knowing and surrender and curiosity and listening in my day-to-day life, even if all I'm doing in my day-to-day life is is meeting with clients and making dinner for my family or you know, even if it looks sort of simple or routine on the outside, the inner experience and how we set ourselves up to be makes a huge difference. Absolutely. So Valerie, I'd love for you to share just a little bit more about your course, because I, I mean, again, we're talking about how this there's, I think we're all being guided to do this work. I think many people are curious about how do they connect with their clairs? How do they start to use their internal guidance? And so as soon as you first told me about your course, I said, I can't wait to take that and just share that with people because I want to, I want to be a student of this. I want to study this right now because I mean, it really is kind of like making yourself into a magician, you know, you're yeah. so- once you tap into these things, like you are attuned and you are on your way, you're going to, I mean, you know, talk about finding your life's purpose or path. It's like the fast track to that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, that the course is on a platform called Teachable, and it's basically a, a series of audio and video teachings um, that are taught by me. And it comes along with a, a digital workbook and a physical workbook that I'm um, that you can buy or I can mail to students. And it's called Intuitive Superpowers, How to Demystify, Demystify and Activate Your Intuitive Life. And I wanted a workbook to go along with it because I think reflection is a really wonderful part. So you might learn something by me talking, but then it's also your inner experience, your life experiences that you're tracking and noticing. So in the course, we're kind of running, there's five modules and we're running through like, what is intuition? You take a dominant intuitive superpower quiz to find out what is your dominant sense. Because like how you light up when you talk about the ones that you know are really strong for you, that's the portal inward, right? We can strengthen the other ones, but when you build trust in the ones that already work for you, it's great. So that's why I built that quiz. So how how intuition guides our life, um, going back in time, there's guided meditations that take you in time to remember how you have trusted or not trusted your intuition. And then like how anxiety, fear, conditioning, self-doubt get in the way and exploring that. Uh, fears and intuition, the Claire's intuitive living developmental levels. So kind of recognizing where you are in development and giving you aspirational goals towards, you know, 
how do I want to unfold this? And then I talk about um, finding joy beyond your circumstances and this concept of an inner state, which is really how to shift your state of being amidst any circumstance. So I have a, a video teaching a technique about how to literally do that. Like it's like a little guided meditation with imagery. Um, how to unplug your energy and plug in. So that's like that plugging in, unplugging for the day after work, if you're all overloaded or too empathetically merged, how to do that specifically. Um, intuitive magnetism is a theme. There's other techniques like a stoplight system, body talk, casting out threads of yes. Um, and then I have a bunch of prompts, like try these things, you know, and then the last part is actually my favorite, which I talked about earlier, and that's the clue tracking. So this, this concept of gathering data from your own clues and using that for self-validation and motivation and inspiration on your path. So it could be like I had a client looking for a preschool for their kid or a kindergarten, and they were really like mentally analyzing this school, that school, this school, that school. Great. We need to do that, but we also need to pick up clues. You go to the school, your kid is freaking out, excited, running on the playground. That's a clue. Mm -hmm. They're energetically picking up on the school and how it matches with them. You talk to a teacher and your mood lowers or elevates. You notice that, right? You track that as a clue so that at the end of the day, you go, well, based on all the clues, I think we're going to go that direction. So, that's the part I'm most, the most excited about is really supporting people to live in this way where it's like, it doesn't just happen once in a while. Like, oh, wow, it was so weird. That friend called me. Well, it's so cool. That friend called you. That's a clue. And just to have that be normalized yeah. where we don't go, I'm, that's so weird. <laughs> like we eliminate, I have one client. I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you say that it's so weird anymore. It's not weird. It's just is. I picked up this. Because those little invalidations keep us from listening. Yeah. Now, something you mentioned that we hadn't talked about, you said intuitive magnetism. Mm -hmm. Now, that reminds me of when people get a, a, a sense. I remember one of my friends telling me first, um, when I first started getting into sort of con connecting with your your soul and your essence and, and intuition, and she said, if, if you are driving and you get this pull that you're maybe you're going to the grocery store, but you get this pull to go to the park, go to that park go to, yep. is that what magnetism is? Absolutely. So I had a story I tell in the courses. Um, I had a, I was traveling in Europe on an intuitive journey, um, which had a lot of really cool um, aspects. And my friend and I were thinking, well, it'd be nice to do a yoga class. And so we were in a store and I felt this pull energetically towards a woman in the, in the um, store. And I looked at her shirt. She had an ohm symbol on the shirt. So that was another confirmation of like, oh, maybe she might be into yoga. And we talked to her and she said, absolutely. And she was super connected. We were at the time in Spain, I think. No, we were in Switzerland. Sorry. She was from London and she, we developed into a friendship immediately. And she invited us to stay in her flat in Notting Hill for like two weeks. We ended up giving clairvoyant energy readings to all of her friends and just had this incredible time with her. And she's still a really close friend today. We meet up in Europe every time I'm there in different locations. And this happens all the time. Like when you allow it, you could be at a grocery store and you feel, it also works with the opposite of a magnet, the repulsion, to trust the repulsions too. Mm -hmm. So nope, not going that way. 
but drawing to people in the carrot section. It could be like you you just know you're supposed to talk to them and you don't know what, for me, I approach it surrendered. I don't know what the exchange is, but I know I need to exchange a word because that word opens into a message that they might need to hear from me or I might need to hear from them. We don't know. Yeah. And so that that's the beauty of intuitive magnetism. And exactly what you said, you might be pulled into, you know, a restaurant or something. And it's not even about the restaurant. It's about who's in there or it's about a moment that you have that you needed to be in that exact spot to receive that information. Yeah. So it's just another metaphor. I guess it's a clairsentient kind of way of working, of feeling that pull or that repulsion and trusting it. Yeah. I think the strongest experience I've had with that, and this was years ago before I really honed any of these abilities. Uh, I was, I decided I wanted to get a dog and I have a dog. Her name is Audrey, oh. very sweet little uh, red nose pit bull. And I have <laughs> researched a few places. This is when I was living in Seattle and I was leaving work. I'd been working all day and it was late. It was dark. Could have just gone home. But all of a sudden I just felt I had to go to this one rescue that I had looked up and I don't, I, I couldn't not go. <laughs> it was so strange. Mm. I, I felt that pull, this magnetism to that place that I just, I, I couldn't go anywhere else, but straight away to go there. And sure yeah. enough, I found my little girl who I've had for 10 years now and is Aww. the most adored thing in my life. So that was that, because I still think about that. I'm like, why did I have to? I just felt like I had to go. Yeah. <laughs> but like, isn't that amazing that you listened? That's the part that that makes me feel emotional about your stories. You listened. Yeah. And I continue to listen to those because there's there's something there. As we know, there's something really there that's powerful. The, uh, you know, the things that are unseen, there's so many things around us that just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not there and isn't working with us, that there aren't things working with us that we can't see these energies. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's also, that's that's such a curative aspect for loneliness because we are truly, truly never alone. And sometimes we might feel lonely for physical company, like you know, if you spend too much time alone or you're really longing to have that life partner that you can share experiences with, those are real physical world. You know, I'd like to have that person by my side. And also we are really never alone and we're being guided to that too. Completely. And I think that's the another component of one of the greatest disservices, but also devastations in our world is that belief that we're alone and just how detrimental it is to our well-being and our health. I mean, loneliness kills people all the time. It's one of the greatest killers. You know, I I was just recently doing a tarot reading for someone who is not very spiritually inclined and they were really moved by the reading and they shared, they said, I, I, I just feel so lost and I feel so hopeless. And after the reading I shared, you know, they got the high priestess as one of the, what to focus on. And I said, I think this is because you're meant to understand that you are a priestess. You are, you have this ability to know that you are not alone and that you are being wow. helped and guided all the time. But most people feel so locked away. They, they're so yeah. disconnected from all that is around them energetically and spiritually that they are devastatingly lonely. And this yeah. individual said, you know, okay, I'll try. I'll, I would really like to know that, to have that sense because I really do feel alone. And it, it's so tragic and sad, yet how wonderful will it be when we all recognize that, that we're not alone. And when we embrace and encourage that with children from the time they're born, like welcome yep. to the party because we've got everyone. Welcome to everyone the party. In the spirit realm too. <laughs> I think that's your tagline. I love both. Welcome <laughs> to the party. That's so fun. Yeah, and um, there was something you said about the 
not alone. Oh, the, the whole movement around vulnerability with Brene Brown, like that invitation that is coming more and more through more and more practitioners is, you know, share the vulnerability, share with someone that you feel lonely. Wow. People, people want to help people. You know, if it's like, oh, I'm lonely and I would love to have more dinner parties. Well, who doesn't want that? Like it's a, you know, they say in a therapy world, like, you know, the most vulnerable is the most universal. I remember learning that for running group therapy sessions and that, you know, when you really drop to that level, most, most everyone will raise their hand and say me too. And that is that connection point that we really need is to not, to feel connected to people, no matter what we're going through. Not just like when we're woohoo, it's all high flying. Mm -hmm. We all go through stuff. We need to feel connected through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what an amazing talk, Valerie. I, I value this so much. I'm so excited about it. And thank you for offering this as sort of a send off for me as I sent yeah. out onto my voyage where I very, I plan to keep my, my journal now about the different senses and what's coming through. Yes. I, really, I do want to make this almost a, you know, a, a journey of just being guided and going, you know, I don't have a, a so really strong agenda or plan. I just want to see where I'm drawn to where I'm taken, where I'm guided. So that's I, beautiful. I'm so grateful to have connected with you today and to have Me too. Your wisdom. thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your gifts in your work. I love your course. It's incredible. I can't wait to start it and to get your workbook. Your quiz is fantastic. I'm definitely going to have links for all this in the show notes. Oh, awesome. Can you share with the audience how, how they can find you and how they can work with you? Sure. And thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Um, valtate.com, very simple, is my website. And then intuitivesuperpower.com, like singular, is where you can find the course. And then intuitive superpower quiz is the quiz. But yeah, you can get a hold of me through the website. And I work with people individually. And then, you know, in a variety of ways. So that would be wonderful. And I am on all the social media platforms, mostly Valtate Therapy. I think TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> and um, Facebook. Perfect. We'll have all those links available on the show notes. I can't wait to hear about your journey. Thanks. Thanks, Valerie. I will be sure to share with you and maybe send okay. you little, little uh, messages along the way about when I connect with my, uh, my Claire's and how they guide. I would love that so much. <laughs> well, thank that. you so much, Valerie. This has been so okay. fun. Take I'll care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.